0: Hey, everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Whiskey Ring podcast. Today, we're going to the heart of New York City. We're talking to Darren and Jose from the Good Night Group, which you might better know as Fine and Rare and the Flatiron Room. Darren, Jose, welcome.
1: Thanks, Thanks thank you for having us, David. Pleasure to be here.
0: So uh, for people who might not know, uh, why don't we give a quick rundown of each establishment and uh, you know what they, what they mean, what they're what the establishments were established to do, um, and uh, Darren, you want to jump in first on that
2: one? Yeah, sure. Um, the flowering Room uh, was founded in 2012 by Tommy Tardy. Um, it's uh, to me personally, it's uh, an example of the kind of like bygone era of a speakeasy bar, very kind of kind of prohibition style. Um, the ethos behind the bar is, is, is kind of a sensory experience. You're having live music, you're having great food, cocktails, whiskey. Uh, you're surrounded by whiskey in our bar. I don't know, David, if you've had the, the chance to to pop into our establishments, but uh, you know, the way that Tommy has, has organized both bars and Jose can talk at fine and rare. Um, you are surrounded by lockers of whiskey when you walk in. You know, you feel like uh, that same way if anybody walks into the, the first distillery tour when they walk into the uh, the warehouse surrounded by barrels. There's that kind of same feel of just being surrounded by whiskey. Um, and I think that the, the general feel of our bar is to, is to create you know, like a, like a sensory experience, to, uh, to be surrounded by uh, you know great sound. Uh, you have fantastic food and great cocktails and a, and a whiskey selection that is uh, rather rather large, I think would be a, a, a coy way of putting it. Um, we're currently sitting upwards of 1,200 expressions of whiskey. Um, so we try to make sure that we're really showcasing whiskey as a, an entity in New York
0: awesome awesome. and uh, Jose pardon me jose have the uh fine and rare
1: yeah yeah we opened the doors on uh 2017 where the same thing um uh we kind of went with the same uh theme as uh, the flatiron room or whiskey based cocktail but we're also more food influence um but we're also like try to diverse and uh, other um things like we try to bring in more rums, tequilas, mezcals. We're also more spirit forward and uh, whiskey being our our main uh, thing.
0: Awesome. And yeah, the, the aesthetic that you walk into, I always loved it from the first time I've uh, gone to the Flatiron room and and just having those lockers uh, of not only the lockers of whiskey, but also the fact that all of that is accessible.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, there's always at least one or two customers that are are kind of perplexed when you're trying to lean over uh, and get behind them into a locker. They don't really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Yeah, on a a busy night, you'll see uh, everyone on staff just kind of climbing ladders, trying to get into the lockers from above, and you'll be sitting in a booth and just see a light shining from above and go, what the hell is going on here? But um, (laughs) it's all in the service of of finding the right pour. So, you know, how did jumping into your own journeys, how did you guys uh, get to join the group? And what was, and you know, what was any kind of uh, training or, you know, pre-goodnight group that led you there?
2: Um, Well, uh, my accent, as I'm sure you can tell, is not uh, native to Brooklyn, uh, where I currently am. Uh, I'm from uh, Glasgow in Scotland. Um, I started bartending around the age of 17 uh, at at a rather famous bar in Glasgow called the Lismore. Held maybe around three hundred to three fifty whiskies, which was considered you know a decent collection at the time. Um, we were part of the group of the Lismore that won the the Dram Magazine Best Whiskey Bar of the Year early two thousands, um, and it really kind of kickstarted my kind of passion with whiskey. Um, before that, you know, especially in Glasgow, there's a there's a weird kind of general feel that all Scottish people drink whiskey. That is not true, um, and so I was definitely much more of a kind of vodka coke or whatever kind of thing and it really opened my eyes to the the different kind of expressions and flavors that the whiskey had. So it was a great starting point for me. Um, I was at Lismore for about eight years. Um, my wife is American. So, uh, we had done some long distance. I'd moved to New York and, uh, I'd worked at a couple of bars before, but my goal was always to get to the flat iron room. I'd actually, I'd actually emailed Tommy and the previous management when I was in Scotland asking for a position. So I think that always kind of picked, uh, kind of pricked Tommy's ears. Um, I applied, uh, goodness, it's amazing what time has done with COVID. Uh, I think mm-hmm. 2017, 2016, I think it was, when I applied. Um, and I started bartending. Um, and at the Flat Island, I'm sure just as fine and rare, there is a, you know, for the amount of whiskey we have and the, the style of service that we, that we want to bring uh, for the customer, there is a, a rather extensive training program. Um, you know, looking into small and simple things such as, you know, just literally how to how to set a table in a, a specific manner, how to pour a bottle of wine, open a blank, moving into, you know, regions of whiskey in Scotland, moving into peated, unpeated, the, the process of creating whiskey. So, I mean, you really, um, you, you have to have a passion for kind of fine dining service as well as, you know, whiskey. Uh, and I speak, I'm sure for both, for both bars, um, to want to work in these establishments. Um, I mean it in the nicest way when I say that, you know, if you come in and, and you think that uh, fireball is a premium spirit, then you probably wouldn't be asked for a second interview if I put it uh, bluntly.
0: That's fair. And how about you Jose?
1: Well, uh, I think I started bartending at the age of uh, 23, Actually, I started in a bar in uh, downtown in Soho It's called Make a Lunch, which it, it was mostly more cocktail forward than anything else um did take a little break in between i think i started working at the Flatiron room when in 2016 which i had originally started as a barback because i had been off as bartending for a couple of years at that point so i didn't have the confidence to just jump in and start bartending again and stuff uh, and i quickly moved up um i got really into drinking whiskey um like uh, Darren was saying, our company is more kind of educates a lot of us uh, with brand ambassadors meeting up with brand ambassadors, training on uh, whiskeys, regions, everything that we need to like train our staff with, um, and it really uh, encouraged me to learn more about whiskey and all of uh, all of our stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a been a nice nice ride working for this company.
2: Yeah, it's a great. I mean, Tommy's um, yeah. one of the aspects that I love is, is Tommy regularly organises staff outings. So just as recently as was that that was last Monday, Jose. We went to the uh, yeah, to, Con- yeah. to Conic, Distillery. Conic um, Distillery. And so as Tommy puts it quite nicely, it's you know it's it's one part staff training, education. It is two parts teamwork and camaraderie, and, and this idea of you're bringing working as a as a, a, a cohesive unit. Um, and by organising these staff trips, as Jose mentioned, we have brand ambassadors reps coming in. So whenever we get new whiskies, or if we feel the staff are maybe not not as knowledgeable of a certain brand of whiskey or a certain style, um, Jose and I collaborate. We'll talk to reps. Uh, they tend to come into a bar and we'll sit. We'll do tastings. We'll go through information. Um, it's a very hands-on style, and it really helps to uh, to benefit our ability to sell. Um, you obviously have to know the product, and when you have upwards of uh, twelve hundred for flat iron, and I'm sure Fine rares in the very highs as well. Um, you have to know, you know, basic information, and then if you want to continue to be able to make that sale, you have to know more. So this uh, continual kind of hands-on learning that Tommy uh, very much promotes within the company, uh, it's very beneficial for staff, you know, from newbie uh into whiskey to uh, to someone like myself uh who I would call you know, a functional alcoholic, or you could say that's a Somali or whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, this this constant having to learn. Uh, it helps you just really promote, you know, your own wants and passion for whiskey. So I think that's a big driving force of our bars. You really see that with our staffs um, from both locations. You know, you can ask a question about anything. And generally, we have the ability to to give you a, a comprehensive or cohesive answer. So I do think the training aspect that Tommy employs is, is really, really good, really hands on for our staff.
0: And I mean, before we go even d- deeper on that, uh, how do you guys enjoy Taconic? It's
2: good. Um, oh, yeah. Really tasty stuff, yeah, very nice whiskies. We got to try some stuff that, I don't know if we can actually talk about this, Jose. <laughs> we got to, try, <laughs> we got to uh, try some stuff that currently isn't on the market, which again is you know a great benefit of our, of our uh, positions. Um, yeah. They also had, they're building a, a second house at the moment and something I don't think Jose had seen or, or I, I had seen, they actually had, um, oh goodness, like shipping containers, basically. They were they were housing their barrels uh, in shipping containers and the, the master blender. Uh, Brandon was was explaining that it actually creates a, a heat not dissimilar to Kentucky, so there were that was helping to kind of further the aging process. But at one stage, when he opened the shipping container, if you'd step too closely in while the door had swung open, you would be knocked out by the extremely pungent smells. Let's say, um, obviously, because the steel box doesn't really allow for a lot of aeration, so it was like walking into an alcoholic sauna, uh, which wasn't a bad thing, but uh, it was quite quite an experience. Yeah.
0: Uh, I ask because uh, Taconic is one of my, if not my favorite New York distillery. Oh, nice. Um so. Paul Paul Clogland, founder, was one of my uh, earliest guests. I uh, Met Brendan a couple of weeks ago over a travel bar, and I I've been meaning to get back up there. I haven't been up there since like the early days of, of COVID. So um, now no, their stuff, there are...
2: stuff is uh, their stuff is tasted mm-hmm.
1: very very good. Uh, very good juice. Uh, yeah, we definitely enjoyed a couple of there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was uh, really th- impressed. Yeah, the shipping container thing was a was a new development for me. But as you said, it mimics it ends up mimicking Kentucky a little bit. So they're yeah, for me, their liquid has been able to mature a little faster.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean the, the 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 rye specifically, I'm a huge rye fan. Oh, yeah. Um the rye was fantastic. Um and so you know we uh I think I, I took a bottle home. I think Jose got a bottle as well. So that's, that's sitting on my shelf about a third, ugh, about a third way done. So uh that's as you can say from Monday, so I do like it.
0: Uh, absolutely, the I love it all, but I would agree the rye, the cast strength rye is my favorite from them. Um, so, with, I mean, this education piece and and having your your staff know what they're pouring um, is. It, I mean, it's one of the biggest reasons I wanted to talk to you guys because it's it's so unique. It seems in in the world of especially like high end bars that with in both in terms of quantity, but also in quality there are plenty of bars around the country now that are pushing like, you know, three, 4,000 bottles on there. But if you don't know what you're talking about, then, you know, it's really up to the consumer. So was it at all, uh, you know, intimidating finding out that you'd have to go through all this training to then, well, do you, fi- let me rephrase that. Do you find out that you get the job first and then go through the training or do you have to go through the training first and then kind of get a trial run?
2: I'm, I'm going by memory for myself. Um, the, the manager at the time at Flatiron was Young Kim, who was a, a fantastically knowledgeable uh, a manager. If I remember rightly, um, I applied um, through Young Kim. Um, and I have a, I'm going by memory again here. I've, I've got a, a certificate of uh, expertise in whiskey from the, the Edinburgh Whiskey Society. And I think if I remember rightly, when I showed Young that, she kind of ran away. And then came back I, and also i think hosie uh, can maybe uh guarantee this but i think i'm the only scotsman who's ever worked for the company so i think i have that i i don't want to if there's any scottish people listening i apologize but i think i had that kind of um i don't know like weird effect so to speak you know like i was a scotsman in a whiskey bar in new york they needed a scotsman that would help um yeah i was a kind of like token scotsman so to speak so um if I remember rightly, really, I got the job, and then once you got the job, you went into the training program. You were given the cocktail list, um, you were given you know uh, the information. Uh, there's like a, a, a proper handbook of, of the way the bar operates, um, and then it was kind of going from there. You then had to set a test, which, if I remember rightly, was was kind of what I touched upon before of, of um, you know uh, understanding regions and like being able to name you know, five space-side whiskies or give me ten whiskies from the Highlands, etc. Um, and then it was also if you were obviously myself I was applying for as a bartender It was the knowledge of cocktails and your ability behind the bar so there was a um, my experience before that was generally kind of more cocktails and I would say more kind of beer pouring I was working at the time just before Flatiron at the bar called the Polaner. it was a German brewery Um, so it was quite a step up for me but it was what I wanted to do Um, and so I kind of think I, I threw myself into it with kind of abandonment like passion but there was definitely periods where i was catching myself and being worried that i didn't have the the knowledge needed um i am a very proud scotsman it took me a long time to say that i liked bourbon um right absolutely gorgeous i'm a huge rye fan but I've, I've recently came around to bourbon after a few good trips with, with tommy and staff to uh, some some great distilleries so i'm trying not to be as biased but when i first joined i definitely didn't know as much about bourbon and rye, so that was my main challenge um, but again, you know, as I said, they, they really implement a, a, a kind of hands on learning style that, that both benefits you and kind of drives you forward. So I've I, I definitely learned more being at the Flat Iron Room, uh, and you learn every single day. So.
1: Absolutely. Especially me, like I, when I started there, I had like my knowledge on was very low. Um, like I said, I started as a barback, but uh, Young Kim was uh, the head bartender I at mean, the moment. Which uh, I asked her if she could allow me to come into staff trainings and get my uh, my knowledge, um, and then from there on it was just you know pretty much getting taking notes, uh, getting into tasting every every single new scotch bourbon, especially scotch. I was not very knowledgeable in scotch at all, um, and then you start learning about regions and stuff like that. So that's a, pretty much what the company does. It's like trying to educate every single staff member as much as possible as we can.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious now, because I know um, right now the, I mean, your industry is not alone in this, but uh, it's been difficult to kind of find people to staff, especially after uh, the height of the pandemic and bringing more people in. I'm curious what your kind of turnover rate looked like as opposed to maybe others, and i I say that as a loaded question because to me it sounds like you put so much investment into your people that that I mean you guys clearly you've both been there for you know more than half a decade each uh, so that says something alone in in that you're still there and and enjoying the job and all that so did that kind of help you guys through the through the pandemic and and afterwards
2: I mean um I would say that it was, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, it was an extremely tough time, and uh, I'm sure for everyone. Um, obviously, I would say the hospitality is, was definitely not very hard. Um, it was really important to us, I think, as a group, and the way that Tommy, um, I mean, if I can, sorry, let me go back. I mean, the, the main thing that I remember specifically with the pandemic was <clears throat> the fact that Tommy was very hands on with the staff again. He made sure that we understood that the bars, you know, we had to shut down if we had to shut down, but this was not the end of the bar. This was not the end of Good Night Group. You know, Tommy really firmly believed that um, this was, uh, I want to use the term a blip, but obviously you know, it was much worse than that at the time, but he really wanted to to drive home to the staff that you know we're going to come back stronger. This is this is just a little bump in the road. We're going to come back if it's okay. Um, when we reopened, there was an influx of people wanted to come back to work. Um, I think you kind of hit it on the heads because of our style of bars, because of the kind of premium self service that we want to attain, and, and the 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 experience we want to give to our customers, you know, we are looking for a specific kind of staff. We're not looking for your, and I don't mean to be rude to anyone out there, but you're like a part timer or someone that wants to do a certain you know, one day a week kind of thing. Um, at the group that, that we're in, we 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 need people that are passionate about the subject, that are dedicated, that are hardworking, and that, are, that work well in a team. And so I think that with COVID, it kind of I suppose to an extent, you know, you kind of lost people that I I might say that you then realised maybe didn't want to do the job. Um, the pandemic, I'm sure, changed a lot of people's minds in terms of their their current employer, employment, their 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 trajectory and career path, etc. So um, there was definitely periods of time where we we're losing staff, gaining staff. But I remember primarily it was the the encouragement and confidence that that Tommy had in the idea that we're going to come back and get back into it. Um, it wasn't easy. Um, I remember, you know, the barriers at the start, the masks. Um, you know, the, the masks themselves, unfortunately, were very political, um, you know, piece of clothing, let's just say. So, by wearing a mask, you were kind of showcasing what side you are, which is always strange to me. But there was always issues that were going to arise with that. But, I, but I think that, you know, I think when we look at where we are now compared to, you know, what's just happened over the past years, um, I think it's a great example of the the strength of the company that that we have came back. Uh, we never really left, you know, we, we had to obviously shut down through a government mandate, but I think we were always going to come back. And I knew that the second we came back, it was going to come back and be, you know, people wanted to come back to the bar. Listen, as, as we said before, David, you know, we have customer bottles in both bars. The amount of times when we first opened, we were getting people calling, like, can I come in, can I get my bottle? Can I, you know, there was, there was a definite want of people to, to come back to our bar. Um, and i remember a lot of customers just just walking in and there was a, there was definitely a sense of you know happiness and, and you know uh, normality kind of coming back i remember talking to a lot of customers at the start of uh the the, the opening post covid um and they were just so happy to be outside and so happy to be in an environment with live music and you know a little bit of a you know a show going on and, and just general uh, you know having a nice enjoyable social interaction um i think a lot of people obviously really missed that Um, and again, it was something that I find that the good night group and and both of our venues are, are, you know, very well known for, we are a a sensory experience for both venues. So I think a lot of people miss that. So we definitely bounced back in my opinion from COVID very well.
0: And Jose, I want to throw this next question to you, which is, uh, Mm -hmm. that, you know, between the two establishments, of course, both serve, um, food, both have spirits, but they're as you mentioned earlier, uh. Finderware has a bit more of a food focus uh, than the flat iron room. You know, I know it's it's they're both on the same spectrum, but slightly more of a food focus. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, keep yeah. My, I'll
2: keep my mouth shut there, David. <laughs>
1: oh, fair,
0: fair, fair enough. Um,
1: yeah. So but, yeah, our focus is uh, fine dining as well. We try to give you a, a nice experience also with live music, everything. So Yeah, so we're focused also, like I said, the Flatiron Room, obviously, is a more whiskey-forward restaurant. um, But we try to be a little bit diverse, bring different types of spirits in. um, When it comes to mezcal, gin, tequilas, everything, we try to bring a a larger uh, experience. And what I mean, spirit-wise, food-wise, entertainment-wise, we're always just trying to focus that every customer that comes in leaves a with a, an amazing experience that one of them wants to make them come back and enjoy our, our restaurant. Also, like I said, we were having, you know, bottle keep program, you know, also like, it's something that most people haven't heard of. So when they hear, Oh, I can buy my bottle here, keep it here, store it here, bring it in and like, you know, enjoy it with my friends and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a really nice experience. Yeah,
0: and uh, next question just went right out of my head, which happens quite often, even with coffee in the morning. Um, I I should note for listeners, uh, these two gents have been very kind to join on a uh, Saturday morning after working the night before, and I'm sure you're working again tonight. So, um, yeah, first first rounds you, on you,
2: David. First rounds on you. Deal, <laughs> absolute
0: deal. Um, you got when I was there last, you had me with the um, Highland Park single barrel as soon as I walked in. So I will definitely return the favor on that one. No so, um, you know, I mean, Darren, no, no need to to keep your mouth shut on that, on that last question. <laughs> like there's both, both the have excellent food. Um, that's, that's not the question at all. Uh, but I, I'm curious, uh, Jose right now, just speaking very generally um, whiskey has certainly had its boom for the last like let's say two, two plus decades um, still very much going on. Don't get me wrong. But um, some of the spirits that you mentioned uh, that you focus a little more on at, at uh, fine and rare, the, the mezcals, the tequilas, the gin, these are having their own moment right now. Uh, and having been there since, uh, you know, 2016 ish to 2017 um, have you, What's been your experience as that boom has happened with? Uh, I don't want to say alternative spirits, but alternatives to whiskey, let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like mezcal, tequila, have had a big boom in this uh, couple of years compared to any uh, any other spirit. Um, but it's also been really hard to come by, um, especially after COVID and everything. Um, I think for all industries, I feel like whiskey and uh, wine, anything at this moment. Um, But yeah, uh, I feel like all these spirits that we bring in are really good um, to like encourage people to try new things other than whiskey. here.
0: Do either of you have to kind of divide your loyalties on your favorite spirit to get people to try new things?
2: Um, I mean, we're obviously in a, 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 a capitalistic nature of employment. So unfortunately we do have to try and upsell. Um, (laughs) I mean, I, I like to work with the customer as much as possible. I mean, as Jose mentioned before, you know, the, the main ethos of both bars is to, to, to make sure that the table of two, the table of 10, enjoy their experience and will be coming back. That's the main goal of our group. Um, I like to work with, with, I mean, my favorite question generally, you've seen our menu, David, in both bars. You know, our menu is a small, short story. Um, So a lot of times what I do is when I see a customer open the book, I I literally ask them, you know, are you looking for specific? Are you looking for bourbon, rye, scotch? Are you asking for tequilas? You know, you try and get a feel on them uh, quickly. Um, And especially in a busy bar it helps, I I think, for both on the customer's uh, end when they see the staff are this responsive. You know, I can very happily throw you a menu and say, you know, go nuts. Um, when you have a staff member actually taking their time to stand with you and, and go through, you know, what have you had before? Or have you tried this? Have you Are you looking to try something new? Would you like to try something more high-end? Uh, you explain about the bottle keep uh, system in both bars, and a lot of times customers don't realize that in a, in a good collection of the whiskey around them is actually customers' bottles. Um, that's always quite a kind of a wow factor for a lot of new customers. Um But no, I think uh, you know I I like this idea of 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 the upsell for me is always a fun part of it. You know, you're obviously feeling very proud, you're doing your job. So if you the customer wants a a 15 year old Bumore and they haven't had the 18 or 21, then it is my job to. And again, this goes back to the training and for all staff, including myself, is to have that knowledge to be able to upsell um, is very key. You know, you can I could happily sit and sell the Bumore 15 to a customer, for example. But if we're sitting on an 18 in 21, SMR in 21, 25, small batch, uh, 26, you know, single bar, or whatever. Um, by having that knowledge and being able to convey that to the customer, one, the customer nine times out of 10 is mostly impressed by this idea, okay, I didn't know about this. They're generally intrigued. And then you're kind of, obviously, you know, you're trying to upsell that whiskey. So if you have the information available, if you if you have been trained, as we do, uh, for the staff and the knowledge that they're given, then they're able to make that customer's experience better. Um, one thing I would tell my, my, my staff is that if a customer has a 15, offer the 18. If they have a 12, of the 15. If they're having a single barrel bourbon off, offer the, the cash friends, you always give them options. Um, because a lot of times, I've, I've definitely found after COVID, uh, there was a period of time I noticed that a lot of people were very stuck in their way. They ordered what they want. They didn't deviate. Uh, I can imagine this is probably a mix of uh, monetary issue so To speak after COVID, point I'm working, and so that people would generally order something a little bit less expensive or something they know the flavor of and they know they're going to like. Um, what's great to see now is that you're starting to see people again coming out of the shell. Um, customers coming in want to try new stuff. Um, you know, fans of the 21 year X, Y, and Z now and want to try the 25 or they want to try a single edition or a cast grant. That was a big um enjoyment of mine, you know, pre COVID, and it definitely took a knock after we we saw there was less want to try you know rare and expensive whiskeys. So we're seeing that kind of climb back again. Definitely. And
0: when you were, I think I might have, Darren, I might have asked you this uh, when I was at um Flatiron Room. Um Jose, when I was at the uh, finally rare, I don't believe I think you might have been off that night, one of those rare nights off. So apologies <laughs> on that. Um, but um yeah, when you when you sit down at a place and and you see a menu that is, as I said, literally a book of you know thousands of of choices. I mean, I've I've been fortunate to taste uh, upwards 1,600 1, things so far, over over tasting career, and um, it's still quite intimidating to have that kind of put in front of you and be like, yeah, choose something like that. So, and there are plenty of bars out there where they do just kind of lay it in front of you and come back 10 minutes later and say all right what would you like and
1: yes, i'm like exactly
0: what i'm like what i'm still on page two what do you what do you mean what do i want yeah i'm looking these things up on my phone like what is this brand from um
1: yeah, yeah. i feel like a lot of customers uh when they see this big book being placed in front of them they get very overwhelmed so mm-hmm. this is when i uh, our staff training as the training comes in i'm like what do you drink Maybe I could recommend you. I could help you with something, choose something nice for yourself. Um, but also I feel like with people, a story. If, you, if you're if going to recommend something and you give them a story about the whiskey, get them interested in it, they're more leaning to want to try something new rather than just, hey, do you want to try something good or that I tried last week and just place it in front of you. Most people just want to hear something, you know, a story behind the whiskey. Before yeah. they even uh, feel interested, in i purchasing something up, like if you're trying to upsell as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point, Jose's. made.
1: Um, you know, we
2: we very recently went to uh, Kentucky. Um, oh, no, part of me, God, you can tell it's still the morning. Uh, Texas, wasn't it, Jose? Yeah, so Scott, a, a, Scots- a Scotsman's geographical uh, memory is terrible at this time of the uh, time of the morning. Uh, we were in uh, Texas. We actually went down to pick out a, a single barrel from uh, Melvin Green. Um, and I'm sure David, you, you know, Heather green, obviously a, a fantastic Somali, unbelievable whiskey knowledge, whiskey blender, worked at the Flatiron iron room. Uh, if I go by memory, first female on the Scottish whiskey board. Um, so, I mean, these are the kind of trips that, you know, that create stories as Jose is saying. So it's great when a customer asks for a whiskey and you can go, Oh, you know, I was literally at the distillery. I can give you information. I can tell you about the barrels. Um, and again, to, it goes back to staff training and, and I mean, definitely these books that we have are huge. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I think is probably the same as me. You sit the book down and you wait a couple of seconds just to see the customer's face go, so I asked for the menu and you have to go, that, that, that is the menu, you know, take your time. It's, it's, it's rather long, you know, um, and I tend to watch it exactly. So as you say, know, you when they flick through, they don't really pay attention sometimes because I don't think they realize that every page actually has something on it. Um, so we get a lot of people that just flick through and, are, oh, where's the cocktails? Oh, that would be page seven own page you know 45 in the middle of the irish section or whatever um so i think uh as, as Jose put once you, once you a good part of our statue again is, is this idea of of ensuring that, that our staff understand if you know, if you're new to a bourbon, if let's say a customer asks you a bit of bourbon, you don't know, let's say, the taste profile or the char whiskey number or whatever. Podcast if you know something about the Inpex distillery products. or the brand, and Inpex you can even imports, give that premium, bit of information, whiskey, gin, um, rum, I, I Nascals, think Jose kind of nailed it on the head there. It really helps the customer the to then feel maybe to Japan, comfortable about to making Israel, a certain purchase. Belgium, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I suppose the same way if you walk into, you know, a car dealership, the guy just points at a car and you buy it. I don't think that's going to happen. You have to know about the car. So I think the same applies to, guaranteed the, uh, to our, uh, our uh, staff training and knowledge we have to we have to Inpex have that little bit of oh, well, did you know this xyz did you know this distillery creating this because it really helps to create a communication and a, i wouldn't say collection. a friendship that's maybe a bit too much but you know it creates site, a communication with the com the, the public that, that allows you to sell
0: curious about their offerings i'm proud to have many absolutely in the shelves and love sharing them with friends Whenever I you can. gotta let me know when that Mylon Green. To Sam uh, and to the team for joining Barrel comes in because I just talked to uh, Blair All a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I went to I'm trying to talk sponsor. to Heather as well for Mylon Green, but also for the most for her whiskey in the world uh, and uh, uh, of store. course, she's all over the place. But Born in Edinburgh, everything. The Scotch so, um, Whiskey Society is Blair the most elusive um with over yeah 30, she was absolute
2: salt of the earth she was just such a such they a cute bottle chick. each
0: cask of whiskey um, as is
2: yeah that was that it was no diluting, that was i think no one of my favorite points against is, is meeting, is, is meeting the people making the whiskey um with new whiskeys released 10, every there week the scotch Whisky you know, society proper, offers the opportunity i was like to the kind, to kind of like working class hard work you know covered boots dirty i've been a member for over two years now and i think we first saw hosie and she walked out she watched the distillery and she was like, like covered in, in like, from you know, the like, just walk up and and in a big, big hefty handshake and, and she was uh, and really, really passion lovely. passion behind it. Yeah. Oh yeah, fan? definitely. Yeah, she no was, problem. she was awesome. Scotch
0: Whisky Whiskey Society releases 20 I mean, plus I mean, bottles we, we, month we chose,
2: uh, I think month to its members, including, we, we yes, Scotch, but also including gin. Um I definitely like Miami, whiskey, I think a little bit more than, than in fact, Jose, my favourite that's, that's probably in my blood. Corn whiskey, um, from the largest family owned. The, the barrel we selected was West. fantastic. The fun the point of that again was it's about and what, was it, eleven 30 eleven thirty in the morning. This is a bottle that you know, people know, Texas Heat. I think I was wearing all years. black with boots. And it was only available. Uh, and, and we're sitting trying cast I mean it's not I'm making this sound like it's a hard job. We're sitting filling whiskey from the barrel. Very happy, very very happy and comfortable. But I think by about 12 o'clock, I was done. A little RP? A sure, little inebriated, let's podcast. say, after trying maybe at six or seven casts right now.
0: 20% off an annual um, membership. It's hard at work, yeah. We don't get the praise that we deserve. That's I, mean, I, mean, you know, I, yeah, I mean I mean it sounds just awful. I really there's an easy I'll also be putting the link and code in my bio there and sure. show notes but, um, for this there's, there's, a tiny, there's,
2: a, there's a tiny violin <laughs> Thank you to
0: Scotchmore whiskey Society I, I, for joining I, I, the biggest podcast <laughs> as our new sponsor. But fundraiser. um and please <laughs> visit smws. No, I I understand what you mean though. It's I have heard stories like a Texas heat percent off being in the top of the house in the summer um at the same point being you know in in picking a barrel in Minnesota or Wisconsin in the winter where it's, you know, negative 20 outside and it's not that much warmer in the house, but that's where you're tasting things. Um, but I definitely do want to try that when it comes out. Uh, are there, having just come back from Island Green or from Texas, um, are there places uh, for, for both of you? And, and really, I mean, every question here is for both of you, but uh, is, are there places for each of you that you haven't gotten to yet that you that are like on your top three list?
2: I didn't think um, of that, Jose. Have you
1: got any ideas? I Maybe. have. I have not visited Buffalo Trace yet, okay. which is uh, I'm planning to do this summer. Hopefully by August, I'll get to go and try some uh, amazing whiskeys. Yeah, Buffalo Trace is definitely on the top of my uh, my list. Um, I'd like to visit uh, Scotland, obviously, uh, and uh, at this point, uh, I would like to visit uh Seattle, try to visit
2: uh Western. Okay. All good choices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had the I've had the luck of um my, my wife, as I said, is American. She did stay in Glasgow to Pew, and, and we did quite a lot of tours. Um, in Scotland, I've probably done about twenty five to thirty, I'd say, top of my head distilleries. Um, I've had the good fortune of going to Buffalo Trace. That was. That was my first trip, really, to kind of foray into real hands-on with bourbon, um, and we had uh, Freddie, our uh, phenomenal inductee to the Hall of Fame, giving us a tour, who has the the, the most dazzling white smile I've ever seen in my life. Um, but the guy gave us a, just an absolute hands-on tour, and and, and I'm sure, as you, you know, David, Buffalo Trace, it's a it's a small city, you know, oh, yeah. it's it's like. It's if you know, like Bourbonville or Bourbon Land or whatever you would call it, like a theme park, you know, it's and they're building obviously more warehouses and rick houses. And um, the size of it was was unbelievable to when I first went there. Um, I'm trying to think any, I mean, to be fair, any distillery I've always enjoyed just going to, it could be a, a small, you know, like uh, craft style distillery or a brand new startup or a traditionally old and, you know, very well known established. um, i'm kind of happy to go to every at all there's not one that stands out in america at the, the moment there's not one that really stands out i, I had the good forest the old forester angels envy uh well turkey when we were in, in uh kentucky um i'd like to see the mccallum just for the i know it's just been redone and it's a stunning example of, uh, of new architecture oh yeah, um, yeah. so th- i'd like to see it just for that purpose um but there's not one, admittedly, that stands out. I apologize if I'm if I'm being rude to any distillery that I'm not mentioning, uh, but there's not yeah, any any tour I've always enjoyed.
0: I mean, there's, there's close to 3,000 distilleries in the US alone nowadays. So, I mean, not all doing whiskey, of course, but I mean, still close to 3,000. So uh, if uh, I would be more impressed if you were like this random one in a state that has two distilleries for some reason, and it's like, that's the one that I really want to go to. I would have been almost skeptical when you, when you said that, but
2: I think, I um, think the issues at times as well, I think, and Jose can point back up here is the amount of information that Jose and I at times have to have in our brains regarding the amount of whiskeys and, uh, expressions that we are selling. When you actually ask a question, such as like one specific, it's amazing how hard it is for me to kind of narrow that down. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of like too many my head is kind of battering around about 50 different distilleries,
1: but
0: uh, Totally fair. Um, I'll admit, I'm also, I'm going down to Kentucky again. I was just there over Memorial Day weekend going down there again in uh, the last week of August, week of August 21st. And um, you know, I have, I also have not been to Buffalo Trace. I've driven by it a couple times to the distilleries, but uh, that was my first trip to Kentucky. So, I mean, there's not much time to do. So this will be the second one. Definitely going back to a few places. Um, but yeah, it seems like a, a full like a college campus like everything oh, is self-contained there yeah it's um, huge it's, it's I, got, I got the same feeling walking to um or driving through heaven hill where it's just the main road and you know seven to nine story brick houses just dotting the landscape closer than you think they should be together especially given their history and um but they're all there um i would say you should go back to just for the aesthetic experience um the new Four Roses uh, experience, where their visitor center just really elevates the Spanish style buildings. It's a little more open than the previous one. It was beautiful just to enjoy a pour on the on the porch there in a giant chair. Um, and also, I know that I didn't get to visit this because they were still working on it when I was down there. But uh, Wild Turkey uh, redid they built their they built a new visitor center in during COVID, and then decided to redo it again, like half a year later. So they were still in construction when I was there, but that's going to be a beautiful one overlooking the river and the crossing over. So um, just for aesthetic reasons, I would definitely go back to each of those.
2: Well, well while Turkey was, um, that was one that we hit up as well when we were down. Um, and I remember when you walked into the Minnesota I love the charred the wood effect. They had that beautiful mm-hmm. walkway. It's almost it's almost kind of like a mausoleum or church style um, mm-hmm. where they have the staves going in. Um, I'm trying to remember. obviously, we were, we definitely went pre-COVID. So I'm trying to remember if um there was a visitor center to be sat in, but it was definitely it was it was not by the river. So I'm guessing as you're saying, they must be redoing everything up. Um we were inside, I think to the left of the main rickhouse. house. So I'm I'm going by memory, but um that was a that was a beautiful distillery. Um yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: everything around it covered in a um, blanket on the name of the of the particular fungus, but you know that black fungus that grows wherever whiskey grows. Yeah, just, Yeah. You know, drinks more than any of us does. So, <laughs> um, no, it's it's wonderful, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to go there. Looking forward to Scotland as well. I think the Macallan experience and going there again. I love whiskey architecture, mm. and um, in many, I mean, in both establishments where you guys work, that is whiskey and and spirits architecture as well you're getting that experience because you're walking in and it is a speakeasy style and, uh, or just this very elevated dining experience style. Uh, and for me, at least I walk in and the upsell there. And then you're talking about, I'm, I'm already in my head. I'm like, you know, I shouldn't get the regular Highland park here. I should get the single barrel or the one yep. up there. Um, so for me, the architecture helps with the cell. Just as much as it would at, at a distillery itself.
2: Of course. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree with it. Um, I think that's something that I find so so specifically. I mean, as I'm saying, I've been at, at Flatiron now for coming close to six years. Um, and every day I walk in when the lights go down, I still I still stop for a second and look around. Um, you know, the 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 care and the the effort obviously that the Tommy put into creating that bar and fine and rare as well. I mean, the 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 backlighting. Um, or the bottlings, you know, small things, just a little bit of like, you know, accent lighting. Is, it's a beautiful thing when you do it properly. Um, I, I love fine and rare on the stage, how they have the the little accents going around behind the piano. Um, it's There's a phrase that I like to use, which is extremely cheesy, and I apologize, but, you know, you, you drink with your eyes. So when you walk into an establishment, you know, especially in, in somewhere like fine and rare and, and flat Island, um there's never been a customer, I think, that's walked in and not instantly neck you know, gone up mm-hmm. because, you know, high ceilings, you've got the, the beautiful uh, chandeliers, you have the, the giant stage up front, and then you're seeing all the bottles surrounding you. Um, and I love the aspect, uh, I mean, the aesthetic that, that Tommy thankfully lets me play around with. I like the bottles, uh, you know, some of the higher end stuff, your Lafroy 30s, or your, as I'm saying, some of the older stuff we have, Talisker 30, Dalmore 35s. I like to keep the bottle beside the box. I mean, the, 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 again, as I said, the drink eyes part. And a lot of these boxes nowadays and the, the actual design going into the bottle and the box, uh, they're spending almost as much as creating the whiskey on the design, um, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. You know, it's a, it's a again, it's, it's an aesthetic. You know, you see a, a sexy looking bottle or something that looks very, you know, kind of dark and, 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 and brooding, then it's, it's, it's a, it kind of creates that want to, to know what the liquid is. So I think um, both bars do that very well, which, you know, you 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 create an aesthetic that you want to draw the customer to, to, to come to. And speaking of McAllen, we should just
0: note that they're, uh, at least I just saw this yesterday that they have, I think it's called the Chronicles. Um, I could be wrong and I'll double check that, but it comes in a, uh, a green book about 15 by 15 inches. Uh, it has full pages with the story of the McAllen, the story of the whiskey, and then it goes into a cutout, almost like you would cut out the middle of a book to put a bottle in it. So yeah. you flip through, and the got the bottle shape around it. Yeah, the yeah. um
2: I'm trying to think, the smuggler's excise, the Cranza, I think they did that. They had the excise, that's still a book. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, they, they definitely, I mean, yeah, the aesthetic of the, the boxes themselves at times. I mean, one of my favorite was always Balvenie. I love the the wooden cases with like the little silver, you know, ignit around the, the side or a little splash of copper. Like It's uh, like simplistic, but very elegant, um and then you have things that, as you said, McAllen had the the harmony collection that they used. The box itself, I think, was cocoa. It was the the leaf of the cocoa, so it was it was extremely recyclable. They were trying to touch upon this idea of uh you know their their ethos in regarding to um I suppose to an extent they're kind of like challenged to climate change. They're really trying to, to watch their output. So something as simple as creating a label that is you know a lot more recyclable and easy to break down. You know, it's it's a nicer uh, Again, customers will buy into this kind of thing. So it's, it's a smart you know, business venture.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, deciding where I want to go next here. Uh, I think, you know, actually, jumping back to uh, to what you said about um, Heather Green, and this goes for both, again, this goes for both establishments. With all of the training that you guys receive to to be on the floor and, and be talking about bottles and brands and styles and regions um, just looking through a, a, you know, a cursory history, the flat iron room, fi- fine and rare, group is also seated many other places. So as much as you retain people, because you've got all that training and investment in your people um, when someone leaves, they bring all of that with them. So Heather green being an excellent example, um, you know, are there other people that uh, you want, or other brands you want to shout out as people who have who have been there and who have kind of taken that knowledge further? Because, and I asked, I asked that because there are certain distilleries, certain uh, establishments that you hear about over and over that people have worked there. I think about, for example, for a distillery, Kings County. So many people from Kings County have gone to. I mean, how Nicole Austin and Dickel now is the master are there and so many people there have gone on and taken that original ethos with them so do you see that with a uh, good night group and and where have some people gone
2: I mean Jose I think you could I, I'm trying to remember uh, devin is a good example I'm sure yeah. yeah
1: Devin devin started as a head bartender at finding rare and uh, moved on on to being uh, the brand ambassador for Paul John and mm-hmm. now he's uh the brand ambassador for Westland, so mm-hmm. it's definitely um, a lot of uh, a lot of people I believe that uh, come out. Um, we also had a bartender at uh, the Flatiron Room who ended up opening his restaurant as well. So people who are in this industry obviously are are definitely moving on to better uh, better opportunities, especially in this industry.
2: Yeah, we also have a lot of like I mean. Our current uh, marketing coordinator, uh, Sarah Valvo, she was a, a floor manager, Flatiron, also bartender. And at one point she was doing some rep work for Sunshine Reserve. We've got a lot of staff that will use the knowledge of the bar and they obviously can then supplement that into a different career path. Uh, sorry, when I say different career path, I mean still involved with hospitality or, or whiskey, but a different path that they are currently on. Um, I think that's also you know the, the good aspect of the, of the business. I mean, you see people like Jose and myself that have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. The people that do stay there, um, I mean, you have a lot of good option if you if you ever wanted to leave the the the, the business itself. You know, the information and the training and the 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 knowledge that we have learned over the, the the period of time that we've worked here um, is only going to help us further our career down the line. You know, we it's, I think it's a a good example. You know. Uh, Jose and I were lucky enough to get awarded, um, um by the, uh, whiskey icons, icons of whiskey, uh, the flat iron room best the bar group. group. Yeah. yeah. The, the magazine we got, um, I won best bartender, Jose was runner up and these kind of things are obviously, I mean, they're great accolades. I'm very proud of them. I'm sure Jose is as well. It's, it, it creates a, you know, the, the ability, you want to stay with the company, but if you were where to leave, you know, we have the ability through the company to, to further our own careers, so um, it's, it's again, it's a kind of like nod to the hat uh, of the ethos that Tommy has, where he likes to retain staff. He likes staff to work the way up, you know, uh, most staff is, I think Jose is a great example, as you said, bar back to, to bar manager. And I was bartender to bar manager. Uh, we have a lot of individuals that started in our bars. Something, is, something as simple as a busser to then backer to server. To, so, um, you know, the ethos to our bar is that, you know, if you want to learn and, and dedicate and push yourself, you have the means to do so in, these, in, uh, in, in our locations. Um, and I think, uh, I'm trying to think of some more people. There's definitely more that I know top of my head, but you unfortunately schedule a Saturday morning podcast. David. My, my brain's, uh, <laughs> my brain's not a hundred percent. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, the ethos of our board very much is this, you know, you know, you, you work hard, you'll get what you need out of it. Um, and if you ever were to move on, you know, I know that a good example, Tom is always very supportive of these decisions. Um, but you see the staff that we have, a lot of our core staff have been with the Goodnight group for a, a period of time. Um, and I think, as you said, that speaks volumes of the business that we're in.
0: Absolutely. Again, I, I know, or rather, I should say, I don't know of an establishment or group that isn't struggling to uh, both retain and find new staff right now as things open back up. And uh, the fact that you guys, and, and not just you guys, but you guys as representatives of a larger staff group are still there speaks, as you said, it speaks volumes. Um, I do have to ask, Jose. Any uh, any resentment towards Darren? You got first. You got second on that one. No, no, whatever. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, then. okay. Then. Um, next year. There's, uncoming, there's always sorry. next year. Yeah, yeah, next year.
2: Healthy competition. Healthy competition. <laughs> hey,
0: I mean, if, if it's one, two in the same in the same group, I mean, I mean there's I mean, not we, much. We,
2: we cleaned up did it. I mean, the good, the good. Night yeah, group you guys like... did you know we, we we did pretty good You know, best global bar group to best bartender uh mm-hmm. runner-up best bartender you know we and the accolades that the the good night group and flat out and Fenrir have won i mean i, I i'm not going to sit and list all these off because there's too many um but you know it, again it speaks volumes of the of the establishments
0: and honestly uh i had on my question list to ask you know which is which accolades and awards mean the most but i think I'm gonna. We're, I'm not even going to ask that one because it seems like, you know, number one, everything is, is a group venture. You know, it's, you win best bartender. It's because the group helped get you there. Uh, and, and plus, as you said, the list of awards just goes on and on. So. Um, I, mean,
2: I, would, of- I, I could, I could happily say like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely very proud of the best bartender. I, I, if I remember talking to Jose, I probably used a couple of expletives and, and had no idea why, in my opinion, why I received it. But I think you're right. I mean, it's it, it goes down to the ethos of, of the teamwork and kind of camaraderie in both locations. Like, I very much told my staff that this award was, like, the award for all of us. Like, it's and I'm very happy to take it. Don't get me wrong. It's on my my resume. I'm very happy. But, it, you know, it's great to have it for the for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but the amount of times, I mean, you know, best – I think we were Whiskey Icon's uh, best bar last year, 2021 – Runner-up this year, and then the best bar group this year. So um, it's just continuous, and I think it, it shows it shows a dedication of like you know the uppers and management and Tommy himself. You know we could I think very much to an extent you could say like Scotch whisky we could sit in our laurels and traditions and go right we're great we don't have to change. Um, Tommy is always you know pushing the, the boundary of both bars both locations. Um, we're always looking for new whiskies, new ideas. You know the food menus always change, the cocktails always change. We're trying to really give the best experience to the consumer. And I, I think, you know, I'm probably repeating myself again. I apologize, but I think the awards, you know, show that, you know, we don't get these awards for for sitting doing nothing. So it's, uh, I think it's a nice little nod to to the, the work uh, and dedication that goes into both venues.
0: Absolutely. So I know we are running towards the top of the hour. Uh, I have one more question for both of you, which uh, goes back to the education point, which is uh, both establishments are also known for for education, for running classes and tastings and things. And I'd love to hear just both of your kind of processes on, you know, you hear someone's interested in doing a tasting of, of any spirit. doesn't have to be whiskey, uh, of any spirit, of any level. How much do you ask of them in advance in terms of what they're looking for and how much, and what's your process for designing what they're going to taste?
2: Jose, you want me to go first now?
1: Well, in most of the in the situations, uh, Tommy is the one that always gets involved in like choosing our our uh, pretty much our tastings or anything that's gonna happen. Um, so he's the one that pretty much selects every single whiskey according to the obviously what the person or the one scheduling tasting is trying to taste. Um, his knowledge is also pretty extensive. So um, yeah, yeah.
2: Much. Yeah, I think that, I mean, like, I think what this was something that was always quite new to me. Um, I've, As I said, I've since I was 17. Tommy is extremely hands-on to the point that uh, he actually orders for both bars. So he will create the, the order list of the new whiskeys coming in, everything coming in. Obviously, Jose and myself meet with reps and bastards and new expressions are coming out. We'll try these and, and then relay to Tommy, hey, we would like to get this in and Tommy will do his best to get them in. Um, In terms of the tastings, I mean, we have, uh, I can speak for, for Flatiron Room Uh, I've done a number of tastings with Fenner as well, but for Flatiron Room, you know, you have it could be a a scotch selection. It could be a journey of American whiskey. It could be a high end scotch selection. Um, I did a Father's Day tasting recently that was a good mix of, you know, high end bourbons and rice. Um, We try and tailor it to the client as best as possible. So if you're looking for a specific, let's say the client comes with a, you know, a specific monetary value in which they want to pay for, you know, a, a tasting of 10, 12, whatever people. Um, we'll look into the whiskies that would suit their evaluation. We look into the, the, the taste of it. Um, we always try and provide whiskies that that you know that are maybe not as well known as we, we, we're obviously wanting to educate. So you always want to at least have maybe something that a customer is familiar with. But we always try and throw in you know, an oddball or something new or a, uh, a whiskey that I would imagine a good example would be like you know a Scotch or a, a Taiwanese cavalan uh, maybe that a lot of, of the American consumer doesn't know as much. Um, and the tastings themselves, I mean, we're we're very hands-on. Um, I've always loved the the presentation we doing. We create our own mats. Uh, our information is on the mat sheet, or Instagram, you know, our social media, etc. We tend to give little plates uh, of just kind of you know a, a little charcuterie board or maybe a cheese board that's going to accompany the the tasting. Which again, I think is a great example of again just you know ensuring that the there is a sensory experience at both bars. Um, the enjoyment, as you do, know, I'm sure David of you know, drinking whiskey is, is fantastic, but that ability to then have whiskey with, say, a nice cheese or you know, a piece of cured meat, um, it heightens the experience again. Um, so I think you know it's 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 an aspect of my job I love doing. Um I love doing these these classes when I get the opportunity to do them. Um I like meeting new people with with a passion or enjoyment for whiskey, uh, you know, new people that have never tried whiskey. Um these classes are very fun, very informative. Uh, and people always, you know, they, once these classes are finished, very few times the field class will leave, you know, people will stay at the bar and they'll start ordering whiskey. So it's a, it's a win-win for us. We're helping to educate the public and then thankfully if they're enjoying their experience, they stay in the bar and, and they'll continue to, you know, to have some more whiskey and try things.
0: And that's the best, uh, the best advertiser you can get. It's just, you go there and you stay. So, Darren, Jose, thank you so much for for getting up early, for uh, <laughs> down in the coffee and the espressos you need to to be on this today. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, for listeners, make sure to follow. And of course, I'll put all the info in the show notes as well. But make sure to follow both establishments, Flatiron Room, Fine and Rare, on uh, all the social media platforms, especially Instagram. The photos and the videos are just incredible. Uh, go in and visit and ask questions. You know enough questions to make them think not so many that they can't attend to other patrons of course but uh ask the questions try the new whiskeys I promise you you won't be disappointed um Darren has say, hold on with me just for a sec after I uh, close out the recording and um yeah so again patronize uh follow whiskey my wedding ring whiskey Ring podcast and all the socials
2: as well and I'll see you next week